One, two, three, and four, and... Good morning. It's good to see you on the second Sunday of Lent. Our scripture reading this morning is one of my favorite. It's Psalms 23. It's located on page 491 of your Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk in the darkest valley, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord my whole life long. Join me in prayer. Loving God, we gather in this place today to worship you and give you thanks. We praise you for all you give us. May we always be thankful. Open our hearts and our understanding this morning as your word is proclaimed. Guide us with your Holy Spirit that we may remember that we are your covenant people. Teach us to observe your words in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sometimes sorrow is the door to peace. Sometimes heartache is the gift I need. Your faithful, faithful in all things. You're still my rock, my hope remains, I'll 
reminder this morning, right? I love that song. I wanted to say thank you for everybody who has donated candy already to the Easter egg hunt so we can sugar up the community and then send them home to their parents. It's great fun and it brings the kids a lot of joy. So average size candy bags, we have about 15. 15 candy bags right now and I want to say thank you for that. We are opening it to the community this year. We are doing four different egg fields just like we've done in the past before COVID. Um, and if trunk or treat was any indication to all of the kids and hopefully you know, open our church to more families in the community. Let them know that we're here and that we would love to have them be a part. Love that. We only have about 200. So if we don't get enough eggs, we'll just throw the candy at the kids as they run by. <laughs> I think Noella likes that idea, so it might be something. If you have been listening to my announcements about safe gatherings and you think it's a wonderful program and you'd like to be certified to be a safe person to work with vulnerable populations in our church, we are starting the training again. We are starting it over at the end of March. We will have training on March 26th, and there's a sign-up sheet up in the lobby for that. So if you're feeling called to work with those populations, you do need to be certified, and we would love to have you be a part of our ministries. It is not just the children. I know I'm the kids lady, and I talk about Easter egg hunts and trunk or treat and stuff, but safe gatherings is for the health of our whole church, not just the children's ministry. At that, I'd like to invite the children forward for the children's sermon. Okay, so what comes to mind when we think of a king? Crown. A crown? Rich? A kingdom? kingdom. Right? A castle. A castle. Oh, I want a castle. And a huge cape. A huge cape? Oh, they wear robes. You're right. Maybe like really expensive clothing, right? I, think, I don't know if modern kings really wear the big capes and stuff, but I'm sure they wear very expensive clothing. And a crown, right? and a bunch of jewels in it, and lots of money, right? What Would you apply some of those same things when I asked you what is a shepherd or what comes to mind with a shepherd? No? Shepherds don't wear crowns? They don't have big robes? No? Do they have a lot of money? No. What, she- what comes to mind when you think of a shepherd? Love, joy, and peace. It's a Christmas shepherd. <laughs> and a staff, you said a staff, that's right. Shepherds often carry staffs, right? And when we see them in Christmas plays, they have the big hook staff, right? What else comes to mind? Do shepherds, what type of animals do shepherds work with? Sheep, maybe goats, maybe cows. Can you shepherd a cow? Are you a shepherd if you have cows? Then you're a rancher, at least here in Texas, right? They're not quite the same things, but you know what? I think some of those same things apply. A shepherd has to be strong, like a king needs to be strong, right? A shepherd has to have, oh man, a shepherd has to have a lot of courage. I think even more than a leader would need to have, right? Because a shepherd has to protect his sheep. When we are talking about kings, we often talk about Jesus being a king, but he was a different type of king, right? Oftentimes when we talk about the way Jesus was king, we're really talking more about the way a shepherd acts than the way a king acts. And we are studying today in Spark Worship the 23rd Psalm. And you guys are looking at me like I already know this. But the 23rd Psalm that Miss Rhonda read and you heard people reciting is one of the most well-known psalms in the Bible. It's only six verses. It's not any longer than the Lord's Prayer is. And it's easy for us to memorize. And I hope and I pray that as you guys grow up and you get older, and as you've heard it many times today and will still hear it again today, that you start to memorize it. Because when we're going through tough times, the 23rd Psalm is something that we can use to comfort ourselves. It's a reminder to us that we have that shepherd king watching us all of the time. And when we read through the 23rd Psalm, we can remember that 
Our shepherd king, God, he loves us, right? Loves us with everything he is and everything that we are. That he is with us all of the time, no matter what we're facing, even in those really dark, dark times where we don't feel like we have any hope. He's right there with us, protecting us. And he is always, always, always going to take care of us. And anytime you guys are having a hard time in your lives, I hope that that scripture comes to mind and it reminds you of those three very important things. He is always with you. He loves you and he will always take care of you. Will you guys pray with me? Let's bow our heads, fold our hands, close our eyes, and say, Dear God, thank you for sending your son to be our true king and provide for all of our needs. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's exit up the side for spark worship. Good morning. Good to see all of you all here on this second Sunday of Lent. And a beautiful Sunday it is, right? We had a any better than yesterday, except maybe today, huh? It looks like out there it's a nice, cool start, and then it warms up not too bad. <laughs> not too bad. Praise the Lord for the sunshine. A rainbow for me is to see all of you here this morning, as always. Praise the Lord. What other rainbows and or rattlesnakes do we have to share with each other this morning? I've got a dear friend in uh, Alabama that uh, had been a caregiver for her dad for several years, and he recently passed away, and she's struggling with that. Okay. So we're going to lift up. Uh, this lady and her loss, oh Lord, we pray. Um, uh, for my 13-year-old goddaughter who's being bullied in school. Okay, oh Lord, we pray. This isn't a prayer request, but it's a reminder that we have a confidential prayer group on our Facebook account, and only those people who are members of this church or long-time visitors are allowed access to it. So if you have any, any concerns that you need immediate prayers for, add it, go on the, on the prayer group, and you know, always, there's always somebody who will respond immediately. Okay, and Susan's saying that too, I will Remind everyone that we have prayer here on Monday night at 6 o'clock, and anybody is welcome to come and pray. Prayer that God will intercede and um, my grandson will start coming back to church with me to, again. Okay. Oh, Lord, we pray. This morning I want to lift up particularly the uh, folks in the Ukraine. Again, I'll, re I'll remind you all that you know, we have a lot of Christian brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And I also, uh, in that situation, I want to lift up the, the Russians that are in, involved in that. You know, everybody that gets killed in a war, I don't care what side they're on, they have a mother and a father. They may have a wife and children. So there are no winners in a deal like that, uh, pure and simple lift up everybody that's involved in conflict. Oh, Lord, we pray. Let's pray. Gracious and God, we thank you for this beautiful day. We thank you for all that you bless us with. 
Lord, we lift up those that we've named and some that we've only named in our hearts who need healing in their bodies, their minds, or their souls. We know that you are the healer. We lift them up to you. Lord, we lift up those anywhere where there is violence, war, hatred. We ask, Lord, that you would bring peace. Lord, we lift up the leaders of our country and all the countries of the world that they would seek and do your will, that your children could live in peace and harmony. Lord, guide us all with your Holy Spirit that we would walk as Jesus walked in this world. And now we pray as he taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Well, this morning being the second Sunday in Lent, the time that we set aside before the celebration of our Lord's resurrection every year, the 40-day period immediately preceding that, we examine ourselves and we think about our walk and our faith in God and what all of us can do to be better apprentices of Jesus, to learn what he taught us to do, and then to put what we learn into practice. And in our tradition, the Judeo-Christian tradition, much of what we do is tied together with covenant. In fact, at the, at the Last Supper, you know, Jesus said what? This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Our God is a God of covenant, and it goes all the way back from Genesis, and we go all the way through Revelation thinking about it. So this morning, I want to offer a few thoughts on covenant and and look at a place where the covenant was renewed with the children of Israel after they entered the land of Moab. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Deuteronomy chapter 29, verses 2 through 15. Consider the word of the Lord. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. The great trials that your eyes saw, the signs and those great wonders. But to this day, the Lord has not given you a mind to understand nor eyes to see or ears to hear. I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. 
clothes on your back have not worn out, and the sandals on your feet have not worn out. You have not eaten bread, and you have not drunk wine or strong drink, so that you may know I am the Lord your God. When you came to this place, King Sihon of Heshbon and King Og of Bashan came out against us for battle, but we defeated them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Therefore, diligently observe the words of this covenant in order that you may succeed in everything that you do. You stand assembled today, all of you, before the Lord your God, the leaders of your tribes, your elders, your officials, all the men of Israel, your children, your women, and the aliens who are in your camp, both those who cut your wood and those who draw your water, to enter into the covenant of the Lord your God, sworn by an oath, which the Lord your God is making with you today, in order that He may establish you today as His people, and that He may be your God, as He promised you and as He swore to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I am making this covenant sworn by an oath, not only with you who stand here with us today before the Lord our God, but also with those who are not here with us today. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord. Please be in prayer with me and for me. Gracious and loving God, God who loves each of us and wants us to live abundantly. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So, we're talking about the renewal of the covenant here. The Israelites have been wandering around in the desert for 40 years. Why were they wandering around the desert for 40 years? Because they didn't obey God, right? They didn't obey God. The journey that they needed to take from point A to point B, if you will, should have taken them, even if they were being lackadaisical, a couple of weeks. I was reading something this morning, as a matter of fact, in the middle school, Sunday school, we were studying in there, and the author of this particular book we were reading said that the journey should have taken 11 days. Okay, I've heard a lot of scholars say about two weeks or so, but 11 days, a week and a half. But instead, they're circling around in the desert for 40 years. Jenny, have you ever feel like you've circled around the desert for 40 years? You know? If you are, then I would put out there as a possibility that you're not being diligent about obeying the words of the covenant. Anyway, they're going to the land of Moab. Y'all remember Moab, right? Moab, who is Moab, you know? 
suffer not a Moabite to enter into the congregation of the Lord to the tenth generation, right? That's what it says. So there must be something wrong with the Moabites. Moab was the first son of Lot and Lot's oldest daughter, right? You all remember that deal back there in Genesis chapter 19? And the son of the youngest daughter was Ammon, who was the Ammonites. And these people, of course, are enemies of the Israelites, although they are cousins, literally. Who is the most famous Moabite you can think of? Right, Rhonda's got the right answer. Ruth, right? Ruth was a Moabite. And, of course, Ruth is a great example of God's grace, as there are many examples throughout Scripture. But anyway, so there, the, Moses has gathered the people together to renew the covenant there in Moab. They've crossed the wilderness there. The end of the 40 years is up. And he says, what? He says, consider, look at what the Lord has done before your eyes in the land of Egypt. What had the Lord done? The Lord had done many things, but I want us to think a minute about the ten plagues that were visited on the Egyptians prior to the release of the children of Israel from bondage. You remember the first plague? Don't y'all love this? Don't you love it when you get quizzed? What I love is, you know, life is like that, you know. There's always going to be a quiz, but you never know when it's going to happen or who's going to ask the questions, right? It's all preparation for the future. The Nile turned into blood, right? The river Nile turned into blood. That was the, that was the first of the ten plagues. The water from whence comes life was fouled. And it was to show Pharaoh, right, that there was a God. Because in one of his conversations with Moses, at least, he says, who is this I am, right? Who is this God that you're talking about, Moses? Pharaoh didn't believe him. As far as Pharaoh's concerned, he was God, and the other gods were subservient to him. So God established the fact that he existed and was God. You know, and with the rest of the plagues, he showed that he, showed that he was interested in the, the little details in life and, the, and that he had power over everything. But here's something I, I, that I was thinking about earlier this week that I have never thought about before. And I'm sure some of you in your Bible study, you're probably, you know, you're, you're sharper than I am, so you've probably figured this out a long time ago. But I never noticed this. The first plague of the ten plagues is turning the water, the Nile, into blood. What did Jesus say in John 2, 7? Everybody knows this verse, right? It's just like John 3, 16. Everybody knows John 2, 7. He said, fill the jars with water. Fill the jars with water. And then what did he proceed to do? He turned the water into wine. 
I'd never seen that connection before. Maybe there's not a connection, but I think there is. In John's gospel, John tells us what? That was the first sign. He didn't use the word miracle. He said that was the first sign that Jesus gave in Galilee showing who he was. He turned the water into wine. Hmm. Interesting. What else did God do? Have you ever thought about that? How many of you have a pair of shoes that you've worn for 40 years? Anybody? Some of you may have some shoes that you've had for 40 years, but, but have you worn them every day for 40 years? See, that's a, that's a, that's a, bit, of a, different, that's a bit of a different deal, right? You, you know, a, a lot of us may have items of clothing or other items that we've had for 40 years. But I have never owned, personally, maybe some, of, maybe some of y'all buy better shoes than I do, but I've never had a pair of shoes that I could wear for every, every day for 40 years and they wouldn't wear out, right? And I've had several pair of shoes. I had considerably shorter length of time and had resold a couple of times. Anyway, and the clothes on their back didn't wear out, right? Think about that when you, when you think about lacking nothing and the Lord being your shepherd. Their clothes didn't wear out. And then Moses goes on to say to the people, he says, if you will observe diligently, diligently, the words of this covenant, you will succeed in everything you do. Wow. That's a pretty incredible promise. That's a pretty incredible promise. But then again, there was that word diligent, right? Diligent doesn't mean, well, I think I'll, I think I'll say my prayers before I go to bed tonight, right? If I die before I wake, you know? There are things we pursue in our lives that we do with diligence, and then there are things that we pursue in our lives that, eh, we do, what's the term, half-heartedly or uh, lackadaisically or something like that. But Moses said, if you observe the words of this covenant with diligence, you will succeed. See, again, again, yeah, it all goes back. God wants us to succeed. God wants us to live abundant lives. And how do you live an abundant life? You live an abundant life by being pure. Be holy as I am holy. It's like it tells us in Leviticus chapter 19, right? You live a successful life when you're honest. You live a successful life when you're unselfish. You live a successful life and succeed in everything you do when you're loving. And those are the things that the covenant is moving us toward if we just realize it. It's moving us toward those things. It's moving us toward full humanity as Jesus was. It's moving us towards those things if we're diligent about 
keeping the covenant. Jesus put it in another way, right? Jesus put it in Matthew 6.31. He said what? He said, don't worry, right? Don't worry. We could probably stop there. But Jesus says, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink or what you're going to wear, right? God's going to take care of that. If you are diligent about sticking to the covenant and keeping with it, God wants you to succeed. God wants you to have an abundant life. And this is how you have it. It's pretty straightforward. Here's another thing God did in Egypt, which also backs up what it says about the covenant here. It says what? In Psalm 25.10, it says something like, all the ways of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Now, I said here's another thing God did in Egypt, but this, this didn't have specifically to do with the Israelites being released from what bondage? The house of bondage, that's another word that's used for Egypt in the Testament. Y'all remember Joseph? You know, like I say, Joseph, Joseph's one of, the, one of my favorite people in the Bible. Joseph, Joseph, Jacob's son and Benjamin's brother. Joseph got thrown in the Huskow in Egypt, right, after his brothers sold him down into slavery. And y'all remember, right before, right before Joseph went before the grand jury, he said, what? He said, I cannot sin against God. I cannot sin against God. And what happened? Y'all, we all know the story. We all know the story. But it tells us again, this sounds, this sounds to me a whole lot like Psalm 25.10 about all the Lord's ways being steadfast love. And faithfulness. In Genesis 39, 21, it says, And the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Wow. And we know what happened. Joseph was head trustee in the jail, and then he became the head honcho next to Pharaoh in all of the land, in all of the land. If you diligently obey the words of the covenant, you will have success in whatever you do, in whatever you do. And then down there, close to the end of the passage we read, Moses said, this covenant isn't just for everybody who's standing here today before the Lord. And by the way, did you all notice everybody who was standing there? 
everybody who was standing there, all the, the children of Israel, and what the foreigners who were with them and their servants, right? God didn't exclude anybody. God didn't exclude anybody in that particular gathering. But it's better than that. It gets better than that. God doesn't exclude anybody anyway, anytime. The only exclusion comes from ourselves. We're the ones that exclude ourselves. It's not God. It's God's will that none should perish, but that everybody would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, right? So, did you ever consider Genesis 9.12? You know what it says in Genesis 9.12, right? It says, and this shall be a sign. We're back to signs. Signs are important because God made us such that what we see and hear what comes into us through our senses makes impressions upon us. In fact, God made us so that that's the, that's the primary way we, we learn about the world around us. This shall be a sign to you of the covenant, of the covenant that I established with who? God's talking to Noah in this particular passage. He says, this is a covenant that I established with you and with every living creature on the earth. I want you to stop and think about this a minute. We started talking about, we started talking about looking at the things God had done in Egypt. God does them, right? God is the creator. God is the sustainer. God is our redeemer and friend. It's God who initiates the action. Always, always, always. Okay? Jan. I'll, I'll pick on Jan. Jan's a friend of mine, and I can pick on her, you know, but it's perfectly harmless, you know. Did you know, did you know that Teddy, Teddy is our dog. Jan knows Teddy, and Teddy knows Jan. If Teddy came in here now and Jan spoke to him, he would recognize her and wag his tail, right, you know. God has a covenant with Teddy. Did you realize that? Did you all ever think about that? If any of you have a dog or, heaven forbid, a cat, God has a covenant with that creature too, right? You know, I can say that because we have a cat too, you know, but anyway. And by the way, by the way, there are no cats in the Bible. Just a, a, bit, a, a Bible trivia thing I thought I'd throw in there, you know. You can find a few dogs, but there aren't any cats. You know, domesticated cats anyway. There is the Lion of Judah, who we should never forget about. But anyway, God's got a covenant with every living. Now, now, hear me, hear me. This is important. This is important. Not only does God have a covenant with your dog or your cat or your goldfish, if you happen to have one, God has a covenant with every man, woman, and child on this planet. But a lot of them don't know about it, right? They're the ones that are not here today, right? They're the ones that are not here today. And 
God has blessed us, blessed us with the responsibility of letting those that are not here today know about the fact that God has a covenant with them and God loves them and God wants them to prosper and God wants them to be pure and honest and unselfish and loving. We've all been given that ability. Again, it tells us, right? We all know John 2, 7. But there's also the other important verse in John 3, 17, right? For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, right? might be saved, you know? Now, there's one other thing I want to remind us this morning about our God of covenant and how our God works. And this is another scripture that you really need to know, okay? And I encourage you to go home and read the few scriptures before this scripture, too, today. But it's, it's Isaiah 46.10, right? Isaiah 46.10. What does Isaiah 46.10 say? Isaiah 46.10 says, Our God declares the beginning from the end. Right? See, God knows what's going to happen. And the Scripture always also tells us what? Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's written. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But the question is, is... When's it going to happen? And what are we going to do to help bring it about, to help bring about the kingdom of God? So I encourage you today, as you leave this place, think about those that are not here today and go tell them that God loves them. Amen? Now go in peace. And as you go, go with the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Amen. strong and true.